What is up, my guys? You are tuning into part two of Jess Hodder's episode from Rookie to Free Ride World Tour Champion. Um, if you haven't had the chance to listen to part one yet, definitely head back and give it a listen because we jump right into this guy and you'll probably be a bit confused. Um, Jess is a great human being. This episode, we finish up our conversation on the Fist Free Ride World Tour uh merger and we also talk about gear and get into some of like her background of skiing and how she got to where she is it's a really good finish to the to the two-part series um if you feel so inclined please leave us a review we love constructive criticism tell us a dad joke whatever you feel like on whatever platform you're listening to um it just kind of helps us improve the show and yeah you know we're all about that feedback um we're going to jump into a couple quick ads before we dip into the episode and yeah hope you enjoy it Thank you to Deuter for sponsoring today's episode. My first exposure to this brand was a backpack that my dad had growing up and it was a hiking pack and I did the classic Boro, but you couldn't really call it a Boro because my dad never saw the pack again until he went out and bought himself a new pack. <laughs> Um, and so I took it because it was so comfy. I loved it. It was just like nice and airy on the back and didn't get as sweaty, but it just sat really nice on the hips. So I loved that pack. Now for skiing, I am rocking the 28 liter free rider SL. So that's the women's specific pack. I'm finding it pretty comfortable and, um, low profile when you're riding just like around the resort. It can like pack down quite low profile which is really nice but it also fits in all your avi gear and everything that you need for a quick day out so deuter packs you can look them up online they're really great quality i can attest to that i don't know about you guys but when my toes are cold i'm a miserable human being um having a warm foot and being comfortable out there means that i can focus on my line and i can really get into the flow when i'm skiing if my feet are uncomfortable and i'm trying to wiggle them to get the blood back into them it's just not a good time so having heated socks is a huge priority for me because the perfect boot fit doesn't stop at the boot. What you have inside of the boot is just as important, meaning your socks, footbeds, all that jazz. Make sure your feet aren't holding you back with Cetus Thermic Power Socks Heat Uni Set, including the S-Pack 1400B batteries. The Heat Uni is an anatomically fitted sock with specific reinforcements and hidden heating elements, providing optimum heat distribution to the entire foot for practical and versatile performance. They're honestly a game changer for max comfort while skiing or doing other winter activities. They're also super easy to take care of. Just toss them in the wash and hang to dry, the optimized integration of heating elements guarantees a long life of the product. One of my favorite features is the S1400B Bluetooth battery. It keeps your feet warm for 12 hours when fully charged and has a full Bluetooth control so you can manage the heat levels from your phone while out on the hill. Use our code OOC10 for 10% off at us.therm-ic.com to grab yourself a pair or check out other Cetus sick products. Uh, the code can only be used once per email slash customers. Make sure you get everything you need on the first round. Stay toasty. Hearing about it and understanding how government bodies, like I feel like sport is overlooked a lot. People don't think about the corruption at the, like the business side of things and like the governing side of things. But if you look at how many different athletes from like different disciplines are coming out about sexual harassment and abuse right now, like it's happening in like hockey, Canada, tennis, gymnastics, like you fucking name it. Like it's coming out and it's like, at the end of the day, business does negate people sometimes. It's really weird. It's hard. I actually, actually got into a really hectic conversation today about 
and don't quote me on this because I have not read up anything about this, but and, and feel free to feel free to correct me, but like hockey, hockey Canada having money set aside to be able to pay lawyers and lawyers and such for sexual harassment cases for athletes, like having that money set aside to basically like pre-ready themselves for that shit. I don't know. Is that, I can, is that true? I don't know. I can't like fact check that right now. I mean, Renee could probably like pump it into Google and get us some information on it, but I don't know. She's good at searching that shit. We'll be like talking to somebody and she's like, oh, I have the information right here. And I'm like, oh, how'd you do that? Um, but like from what I'm hearing, like having a PR crisis budget is common, especially if you're dealing mm. like front facing with a lot of media sources. And if you have liabilities, not liabilities, but where there could be um, liability managing athletes and managing people like that, because that is a fucking PR nightmare. Like those are public figures. Right. Um, so I could see it as like a PR crisis budget where they would invest the money in that because you do have mm -hmm. to get a lawyer in that context and governing people is always going to be unpredictable, but whether or not it was specifically like segmented to fix, uh, or like to deal with sexual harassment. Like, I don't know if that's you would need like inside information on that. Yeah. That's so true. sorry. Yeah. Maybe just cut this whole fucking thing out. I don't know. What I'm no, it's okay. About. It's a valid thing because like, <laughs> this is also what happens in the industry. It's like word of mouth shit like this gets out and that's why it's so bad for businesses, but businesses are also mm. thinking about their end line. Right. It's like, I don't know. You're about to study business too, which is something. Yeah. You, you, you're oh. going into communications, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty nervous about that. Actually. I keep forgetting that I've signed up for university. And then I look back and then I like remember and I go, oh, shit, I should probably probably mentally prepare myself for this. <laughs> I don't really think you can. It's like kind of exciting. Like you're the new kid and then you're like, oh, I'm getting my ass fucked right now. Sorry, that was really vulgar. But like, especially when you've been out of high school for a while, you're like, I have what? Homework? Oh, my fuck. I have to work in this group of people I don't know to achieve something. And we're not getting along. Fuck. Like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely not feeling ready for that. I think, I don't know, for me, like I was meant to be going straight to university straight out of high school and mum and dad actually set me on the course that I'm currently on because <laughs> um, they knew I didn't really know what I wanted to study. So I just kind of went with what they suggested and they were like, do you want to go to Canada for a year? And I was like, why the hell not? Well, why the hell not? It took me about a week to decide because like you've been fed that you need to go to university straight out of high school and everything like from the, the beginning of high school you've been told that for five years it took one week to undo that it took one week and here you are i mean you've been doing back-to-back -back winters for how long oh for a while i had but that summer like that summer that i stayed at home and didn't go and compete like you know two summers ago kind of it opened up my life like opened up my eyes to the beauties of not having a winter and oh, and how well-rounded and healthy it is to do other things that you are not good at and work I mean I painted houses for the whole summer and it was kind of nice to have a schedule that wasn't like like you knew where you would be you knew what you were doing and you could organize everything else around that it was just I don't know it was it it's was nice to have a summer stability. Yeah, it was kind of nice. It's like <laughs> consistency. It's just like, oh, and you know what's also nice? It's not freezing your ass off all the time. It's like, oh, the sun, but the, when the sun touches your skin and you like fry like a fucking crispy, like rice crispy is just like, 
or maybe that's just me. I don't know. I'm like as pasty as Voldemort, or I was after I did back to back winters. New Zealand is a sucker for burning you, though. Everybody, you've oh. got to have your first burn of the season. There's always like the first burn, and then you're good. But everybody's like, oh, you got so sunburned. Oh my God. Like, you need to look after your skin and wear sunscreen. I'm like, yeah, I do. But remember, I, got, I get burnt once a year. You're getting yeah. burnt. You're getting burnt every fucking week. <laughs> like I get, my, I get my burn and then I leave the country. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> I'm back in winter again. <laughs> People don't believe I'm almost 30 because I don't have any wrinkles. It's like, I have gray hairs. Believe me. And like, my life has been like fucking hectic. But like, I'm like, it's because I did five years of back to back winters and I didn't, I wasn't in the sun. Like, there's no sun damage. Mm. But I definitely, I definitely have damage. She's showing us our nostrils. I think people might need some visual um, <laughs> storytelling. Um, but, okay, how the fuck did we get on your nostrils? What were we talking about? Sunburns. Okay, Sunday. I asked about back-to-back <laughs> winters. And Jess never said how many back-to-back winters she did. Oh, yeah. But Tori naturally volunteered the information of how many she did. <laughs> Shut up, okay? I'm good with details. <laughs> Jess, how many back-to-back winters have you done? Oh, shit. Okay, so if I went back-to-back, so I'd go, I'd go New Zealand, Japan, New Zealand, Canada, New Zealand, Canada, New Zealand, Europe, New Zealand, first year on the tour, so it's 10 years, back to New Zealand, and so it's COVID kicked off, so that was like 11, that was 11 seasons in a row, and then... Now I've done, so then like had a summer, and so then New Zealand, overseas, New Zealand. So now I'm on my fourth in a row now. Okay. This makes a lot of sense because I remember when we first started hanging out and I was like, this chick is dope. And we were skiing and then watching your progression, like you, you have been skiing year round. Like if you were to divide that by like normal person standards, that's 20 years of skiing that you packed into 10 years. Absolutely. And just to note as well. Because this was kind of like a light bulb moment for me. But I was skiing with Jess and with Blake Marshall, who also was on the tour and traveled a lot with Jess. And I remember, like, Jess knows how long I've been skiing. But Blake was just like, oh, my gosh, you've been skiing for seven seasons? And, again, someone who's done back-to-back seasons was like, literally, like, I've skied 28 at least. Like, that's four times as many as you've skied. So she's like, you're doing great. Like. And when you put it into perspective like that, it's like you've skied more seasons than you have been alive, really. Yeah, than you have been alive. Like, I, I bet that you have okay. skied more seasons than you've been alive. Okay, it's like dog years, but it's like ski bum years. What's your ski yeah. bum years? You're, you <laughs> yeah, and it's like, well, no shit, you're better than me. Because I look at so many people I competed with, and then I went back to nursing school, and I like kind of like, I mean – I started way later than everyone, so I'm not going to pretend like I was so good and then everyone caught up to me because that's not at all what happened. <laughs> that was so good and then everybody Dude. else got good and like, but oh my I, God. Like, I, think when we, I, I think when it. we met though, you'd done like, th- I think you're on like your third or fourth season and you were competing in fucking free ride comps. Like that is massive. Yeah, but my point <laughs> like, is there's people the that fuck? I... She's got big balls, like cojones, with- you know, like... Mm. Watermelons. Watermelons. Um, <laughs> a watermelon instead of a watermelon. <laughs> My point is, is that like, I have two watermelons really... hanging between your legs. I'm sorry. I just, I'll <laughs> keep you sorry to say what you got to say. I'm sorry. I'll shut up. Back to the visual. How am I supposed to say what I was supposed to say? <laughs> um, 
my point was with that is that you could feel like you're progressing a lot and then still be comparing yourself to other people. And like, for example, like I went back to school for nursing and then like all these people I was competing with around me all just kept doing just full seasons where winter would come and they would just ski. And then I'm in nursing school or working a job and I couldn't ski nearly as much as I could when I ski patrolled. And I just watched everyone whose ski careers have just taken off. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's okay because I'm you skied more seasons than I'm alive. <laughs> I'm supposed to be shittier at skiing than you. <laughs> um, okay. But do remember you're also a fucking nurse fucking helping people. Like your, like your job, not only are you like finding time to ski and sled and do all this rad shit biking, Fucking, do you climb? I don't even know if you climb. Uh, really. you, you used to be a good. You okay? Yeah. No, but you I used, used to, to be really good at climbing, actually. And then you I did. Started you were skiing. like, yeah, I like climb this and this, and I was like, what the fuck? And like, then she discovered we... bikes. <laughs> well, yeah. So what happened is first I discovered skiing, and I worked on patrol, and I skied 140 days in one season. So I went from being really good at climbing to skiing like six days a week and not climbing at all at the indoor gym and then I tried to go back to climbing in the summer and I had no upper body muscles whatsoever and was really shitty at climbing all of a sudden and then I just found mountain biking and now I don't really climb anymore that's that's fair I climbed for a summer it was fun haven't done it again mainly because my boyfriend likes bikes and he doesn't like doing anything that doesn't involve bikes in the summer anyway Cool. That was also too much information, as Renee would state. But fuck, I had a good question. Then what did we get derailed on? Renee climbing? Oh no, I was saying oh. I was saying that basically like Renee's like you have a nurse. Yeah, you're not only like doing all these fucking sex sports, but you're actually also helping people, which is huge. Sometimes when I'm having like, a bad I'm not day at work, people. I'm like, at least I'm not responsible for whether or not somebody lives. It's just ski racing. And Renee is responsible for whether or not people live. And honestly, like my little sister studied nursing and having family members go into the hospital, I am gobsmacked. I don't know why I really like that word right now, by that career. It's just like the the pressure. It's just like, remember your fucking shit. Like you got to be dialed. I don't know. Oh. Like I think working while in pressure is why I also probably got into competitive skiing because I did sports and competed my entire life. And I think that working well under pressure and being able to stay cool under pressure is something that transfers over from both those. It a hundred percent does. I can tell you as a friend that watches you and enjoys watching you. Sorry, that sounds really weird, but I enjoy watching you ski on that Desma best friend. And I enjoy watching just ski on Desma fucking best friend. I was like, look at these bitches. But watching you ski when we first became friends and you like convinced me to do that like fun comp at Lake Louise, I watched you drop in and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, who is she? Like the way that you like attacked it and like your confidence going into it. Like I'd seen you hesitate on things like that before. And I was just like, oh my, like go best friend. I was like, this is, it was so <laughs> sick to see you like thriving like that. And just like, you look so fucking strong. So yeah, you hundred percent perform under pressure. Yeah. I just get, I get in the zone. Like that was like, honestly, yeah. like I did well competing and held my weight against people that I probably had no business holding my weight against <laughs> but I just no no, good. Like, no you did like you do people are like try try to die and I'm like oh no not today <laughs> not today no, it's like bitch <laughs> but it's like you had that like yeah like the potential is there sometimes you just need like the right 
sometimes you just need like the right environment to like bring out your absolute potential. And that's like what I found for me, like competing is, is there is some shit that I do competing that there is no fucking way I do that on any day of the week. Like I don't look at that and go, damn, that looks fun. Like it t- it's taken me a really, like, it took me four years to muster up the nut, the kahunas to go and jump off the summit rocks at TC. I would just like to say that I would like to promote this episode with that, like one video of you sending, because obviously there's heaps of those, but then also that tomahawk that you had. <laughs> I would just like, like yeah. to compare those. I was like, this is who we're talking to this week. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> but watching really- those, oh. It's I kind mean, of funny, like the number of people that actually saw that video, but like, you know, like I've ended up talking about crashes to people, like people that I've met and it happened today as well. And uh, like talking to these guys about crashes and stuff. I was like, yeah, like I had a really big tomahawk this year and then like showed them the video and they're like, oh, I've seen this. This is you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> they're like, you're lucky you're still alive. Yeah, very, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. you're like, I'm an icon living, literally, because I <laughs> am not, that was fucked up. It's weird being on the internet. Okay, I have a I have yeah. a legit question. So let's uh, rally back in, Renee, like you usually do. Focus. I feel sorry for you guys editing this, by the way. Oh no, Anyways. we're just gonna let it rip. Sweet. Like, <laughs> oh god. Oh, go, like, Renee. Okay, Tori, stop. Question. I'm gonna ask. A I'm shutting question. up. God damn it. Okay, so we're talking about crashes and working while under pressure. And I think that like kind of leads into just mindset and and where your headspace is at because you did have some big crashes and you had to pull yourself back together to get out there like a week or two later and do another comp. And like you said, there's shit you do in comps that is just straight up terrifying, not only to us who are watching and would never attempt that, but also even yourself being up there being like, yeah, I would never hit this on a regular day. Like there's some timidness that must come along with that. Like you have to really like take into account. Uh, okay. I'm just getting really sidetracked, but you have to take into account, like what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? How do you feel on that exact day? What kind of line like lends to your own strengths, but like you're basically like when you're up there, in in the gates what is your mindset and you know that you've come like you've crashed in the last comp and you've chosen a line that's like do or die it's gonna be sick if you land it but also like you could really eat some shit like what are you thinking when you're in the gates okay i'm gonna wrap that up how the fuck do you do what you do that's what renee was trying to say (laughs) honestly like half the time it is it is all preparation it's all like pre-comp preparation it's like looking at your line for me it's getting enough of a good mental picture of the whole face or like any kind of features nearby to the features that i plan on hitting so if shit goes sideways then i can pull some crap out of my ass literally and figuratively <laughs> um maybe not literally let's take that but i know no, no, no. wait so you can pull some crap that's that's a metaphor for improvising yeah i or shitting yourself. It depends. I mean, I mean when you say fun. pull some shit out of your ass, I guess it's like a midway metaphor. It's like this could go one of two ways, boys, but we gotta send it. That's like yeah. <laughs> But that's definitely like this shit's you- coming out either of my own volition or not. <laughs> yeah, this is happening. Actually, on that note, I have heard of athletes hitting their asses really hard on the knuckles of jumps and actually shitting themselves. 
So I haven't done that. Not even a little bit. Just boop. Yeah. Still haven't ever shit myself. Okay. So mindset day of. (laughs) Anyways. Um, Thank you, Renee. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's it's basically all preparation pre-competition. And there has definitely been times when I've stood at the top of a face, looked at something and been like, fuck no. Or like, actually, yeah, I'm happy with my line. But I've changed my line up so many times at the top of a friggin' face that like, yeah, I can't even count how many times that's happened. But like even in Andorra last year, like after crashing in Spain, and then watching a guy knock himself out in his comp run in Andorra and us all standing at the top there being like, surely this comp's going to be canned. Like it's going to be canceled. And they kept it going. Firstly, a little bit of therapy helps that. (laughs) And like finding your, literally finding your happy place. And also just trying to remember that you're just there to have fun and ski and have fun with friends. Um, but yeah, you do always feel that pressure in the gate, but it's just full focus on where you got to go and just focusing on your line really. Yeah. I think the whole like planning thing and like what you guys do is something that people don't really understand about free ride. Like it's sick to watch people send it, but like understanding the prep that goes into it. And that also gives you validation and respect as an athlete because people are like, fuck, this isn't just like hucking your carcass. It's like, sorry, I definitely put on an accent there and I'm not sure which one it was. Hucking Um, hucking your carcass. Hucking your carcass, mate. Um, But you like, it's not just that. So like walk us through the process of that. Like you said that you could be looking at it. Like what is face check? Because that's one angle. And then everybody knows, like, everybody's had that ballsy day where they're like, I could hit that. Like, I could totally hit that. And then they get on top of it and they're like, oh, my fucking God, this thing is huge. And, like, I've done it. So, like, what's it like to do that competition style? Like, what goes into a face check? <laughs> um, yeah, like, you basically, yeah, you spend the whole time, like, for me, I take so many photos of the face. And I take photos, like, through binoculars. The tour also gives you a certain set of photos as well that everybody has access to and you can download them and like draw lines on them and stuff. And then you like possibly go draw lines on them and then you on the morning of like get your binos out and double check that those things go. And then you get to the top of the face and you look down and you're like, oh, actually that thing doesn't go and you might have to change it up last minute. So you need to like know where all of your entrances are, where your exits are, where the rock, you know, like it's all about your, um, your landmarks. So you'll be like, oh, yeah, that rock there that kind of looks like a, a stick or like that tree there that doesn't have any leaves on it. I'm going to go to the right of that and it's going to and I'm going to hit the cliff like slightly left just underneath that. Like it's just such little minute things, but you have to like be thinking about this the whole time. And it's something that like you just visualize your line over and over and over. Visualize, visualize, visualize. That's really yeah. interesting. And I like, think what people don't realize is how calculated it is. I just interrupted you. Sorry. But no, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I need a pee real bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry. That's I'm okay. Sorry. You can mute yourself and then write that down, <laughs> Renee, for a cut. And then I'll uh, I'll just talk for a minute. Okay, cool. I'm going to dip back into it in 10 seconds at 1.13. No, we can just wait till she's done. Okay, that works. Why well, are just gonna talk? Uh, we don't need that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, oh. 
Okay, while we're not like recording, do you want to hear something really funny that came out in my autism assessment last week that Roger told the doctor? He was like, we were talking about reciprocal conversation. He's never told me this before, but he was like, yeah, like she's not very good at asking other people questions. The first time I brought her to meet my parents, um, we sat down and she didn't ask them a single question about what they did, who they were. And she just, they asked her questions and she just literally talked the whole time. And it was like the Tory show. And I was like, oh, like she doesn't care about my family. And he said that for the first time to me in front of this doctor. And I was like, what? So I was like, I didn't know that. Um, I feel like not only were you meeting his parents and not asking them any questions <laughs> and talking about yourself the entire time, you probably weren't even sat at the table. You were probably on the floor stroking the dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Were you actually... Me and Mojo were best friends. <laughs> no, I. All right, sorry, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, I know, I know, I'm chatty. I've gotten in trouble for being chatty at every job I've ever had. Okay, I'm like an extroverted autistic person that doesn't know how to structure conversations, but it's fine. Um. um oh, actually, sorry. Back on the note of um, like, like your inspection and all that kind of being yeah. leading into like your confidence going into a comp run. Um having those scary experiences as well, like those crashes and stuff definitely can affect you leading into the next competition. And unless like for me, at least I need like a little bit of time between competitions to like go and ski and have fun and feel good about skiing again before I'm like willing to put myself through back through the ringer, like back through the whole emotional, like emotional roller coaster that competing is. So like after my first ever free ride comp in Japan um I was feeling really really down about my skiing I didn't feel like I deserved to be there I didn't feel confident on my skis like there were so many things that just I wasn't feeling good coming out of that and it took coming to Canada skiing with skiing did I ski with you actually I think I skied with you yeah we did before. yeah yeah like we I skied with you guys I think you, did we ski before? together yes yes we did because <gasps> yes, because yes, yeah, that was when we were doing the three sixties in Fernie. We made that sick reel with Dre. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we and we also and Renee, we went to uh rank like to Wrangle. We watched Wrangle. Oh yeah, yeah. We yeah. went to we went to Sunshine, and you, yeah, and then oh yeah, we skied Sunshine as well. So like yeah, skiing with you guys, anymore. but skiing with you guys like made me feel good about skiing again, and that's like I took that into Kicking Horse where I. Can't believe I won. Like, that was the most hectic day where every girl yeah. stomped her run, which was nuts. Like, that never happens skied, that everyone stomps. Yeah, and we skied the horse as well, like, because we competed in the four-star, like, a week. It was, like, a week before Freeride World Tour started that year. Yeah. I think. Yeah, and, and Seb, Seb and Oscar got super drunk at the after party. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. They did. We've had oh, some yeah. wild after parties. I met you for the first time at the Freeride World Tour after party. It was Did before you? we lived together in New Zealand. Yeah. You were like, oh. we were, we were, we were not sober. That's all I'm going to say on the internet. Um, and you were very <laughs> not sober. And I like went up to you and I was like, hi, I was in the gondola with your brother today. And then you were like, oh, sick. And then we became friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then we lived That's together so in New Zealand and the rest of it is history. But oh, yeah. Yeah. Because then we hung out in Fernie a little bit too when you were there. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Shit's good. And then, we, 
And then Good we lived gosh. in the shittiest house in Wanaka, literally the shittiest house. I think we shaved off multiple years of our lives living there. I'm pretty sure they cooked something they should not be cooking in that house. Like, it was like, do you remember, like, the mold and, like, the garage? There was, there was Nazi symbols on walls. Like, it was... That's pretty crazy. Do you remember my whole wall was mold one day? Like, when yes, I pulled I the cupboard out? I was yeah. like, oh, no. And you, you didn't even have a bedroom. Like, you were living, like, in, like that that one section that was like a second like section of the room. living room it was like the sunroom we yeah. just made it a three bedroom man okay but also like the prep for getting into the race is the mental state but also like what you've put into getting to where you are like i don't think people understand how hard you worked like you're one of the hardest working people and you've been so set on this goal for such a long time it's like every decision that you've made all the money that you've saved like the competitions that you've been doing like you've been fucking striving towards this and it's been so cool to watch that shit happen but like yeah i don't know i don't think people realize what goes into it sometimes it's not overnight this is like your no. whole life has been dedicated to this. Yeah, it was I definitely a lot of, I think for me, like. I've been alive. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it was like, there was definitely a couple of, a couple of summers there, like, like New Zealand winters uh, there where I was so heavily money focused and so like just so focused on saving money. It was probably an almost unhealthy obsession. It was pretty stressful to be honest. And like, I'd, I'd come back from Canada. Like I'd come back from an amazing season here, like flat broke one, one time I came home with 50 bucks and I don't qualify for a credit card in New Zealand. Like I still don't have a credit card. And so I've got like no backup. If I, if I needed the backup, I would have had to have called my parents and asked for money. And I really don't want to do that. So it was, yeah, I get like you'd come home from overseas and it was just like straight back into like, I must make money now to make this happen. And I, and, and being from a town like Owakuni, there isn't job, like there isn't always jobs available everywhere. I just got really lucky that I managed to walk into some jobs and did heaps of part-time work. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I think hearing like, there's a lot of research and this is from like a marketing perspective in the ski industry. It's like people connect with people. It's like, and at the end of the day, it's like, they need to know who you are, how you've gotten to where you are and like what it takes to keep it up. And I don't think people understand that inside aspect of it sometimes. And like, I don't know, you've always been a legend, but you weren't this successful overnight. And there's so much that goes into it. And then also your sport, like, it, you know, like being able to look at a face and identify where you have to go off of landmarks. How do you manage that in the heat of the moment? How do you train your brain to be able to keep up with the speed of everything? Cause I can't tell you the number of times I've been like, Oh, I'm going to turn here. And I was like, Oh, I missed, I missed my turn. It was like, I am <laughs> in a space. I probably did not want to go with skiing. Like I understand like the flow and like moving fast, but like there's so much information that you're processing in that moment. Like how did you kind of train yourself for that? Um, yeah, just heaps of skiing, <laughs> heaps of skiing and skiing hard with people and like, and trying to make things flow and features flow. But like, for me, like when I'm actually like in the middle of a competition run, I'm fairly sure, like, obviously I'm in flow at the same time. So I'm pretty, pretty blackout. I'm just like running on autopilot, but I'm fairly sure it's like feature. And the moment I land, I'm like, where's the next one? Where's the next one? Where's the next one? And then once I get near it, it's like, where's your landmark? Where's your landmark? Where's your landmark? And then it's 
and then you're in the air and then you land and it's next one where's the next one where's the next one where's the next one where's your landmark where's your landmark where's your landmark and i'm not even thinking about the skiing i'm not even thinking about how i'm skiing i'm literally just going point a to point b at that point i think that's a good point in a couple different ways one you're not even thinking about how you're skiing so your skiing has to be dialed that you are able to do it at that speed and to that extent without really thinking about like, okay, I'm going to pop, pop really hard here. And then I'm going to stay tucked like this. And then I'm going to land this way. And when I turn, I'm really going to use my outside edge and I'm going to have like, you know, you're not running through all those things in your head. Cause that's too many things to think about at one time. And then the other thing is just how freaking calculated it all is. I remember that like clicked, that clicked for me. Cause I was listening to a podcast that Julian Carr was talking in and he's hit some of the biggest that man anyone has hit that man's done shit that people should not honestly okay we're joking about my (laughs) balls my balls are nothing compared to this they're like they're not watermelons no that man's got two full orbiting moons just like (laughs) under his gooch anyway like that's why his gravity is just you know his center of gravity it's just different but i i thought of it because it kind of parallels what you're saying like you're explaining how you're like okay where's the next one where's the next one where's the next one landmark 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 like you are running through every millisecond of the entire run in your head before you're doing it and then as you're doing it you're still like your brain is like slowing down to the point where it's like only focusing on that one thing and you've streamlined it and he was saying in this podcast how when he hit some of these like the biggest cliffs anyone's ever hit in the photos of that he had broken it down to milliseconds of this is where I'm going to be in this millisecond and this is how I think myself through it and when I take off I'm going to be pointed exactly this way and I'm be going, going to be going this fast because like this is where my brain is at in every second of and he's just talking about one hit like a singular hit but if you were to extend that like that's a whole free ride run yeah yeah that's pretty yeah I mean for me like I'm not necessarily like getting it down to like how I am and where I am in the air it's it's no because you don't have enough time in your brain for that (laughs) yeah yeah no it's it's I should have figured that all out by then and like the only reason I mean, like all of that other stuff, all of that other stuff has to come from you practicing beforehand. So like how you ski, how well, like how well you handle the bad conditions when they're bad, which last season was like (laughs) mostly bad. Um, You know, when you come across like death cookies and ice, like you're still looking to your next spot. You're just like, stay on your feet, stay on your feet. Where is the landmark? Where is the landmark? Like you just have to keep focusing on that. And yeah, everything in the background like everything to do with your skiing, your form in the air, how you land, like that should be stuff that you've trained before. So that's where like those many seasons of skiing comes in. And that's not just physical, like physical is how you ski, but training, being able to see a line and ski line takes a lot of time. And also like what I'm realizing as we're talking about this too, and then kind of reflecting on my own experience is how emotionally draining those like, comp day and pre-comp day can be because you spend an entire day of your visual inspection looking at the same face and trying to dissect every little piece of it and then trying to visualize it in your brain as you're skiing down it and looking at it in like a completely backwards way to the way that you're 
seeing it at that moment and you're thinking about it all night, all night, all night. Then you get up in the morning, you're thinking about it, thinking about it. You're up on the top of the mountain. You're still thinking about it. And then you do one run and you're exhausted. Like, but I don't think it's necessarily physical exhaustion. There's just so much mental and emotional energy that goes into this one run that you do. And I, I, I feel like I'm just like really having a light bulb moment right now as well, I'm, yeah. I'm relating this back to books I've read and from like a neurological yeah. and behavioral perspective. It's like there's two books that of I've read. I think I've talked about them before. Yeah, and yeah. we don't talk necessarily too much about that whole other part, like how emotionally draining that is and how our bodies need to rest from that and not just the fact that we just did this like superhuman run. Oh, yeah. That was okay. entirely on adrenaline anyway. So <laughs> one of the most insane things that I think about this, this is an entire science. There's literally degrees around athletic development and like skill development. And there's books that are written about it, how to like myelinate pathways in the brain so that when you get a stimulus, you can pull the association faster and you can pull the behavior and like the the like application of the behavior faster. Like that's literally what sport programs are built around. And it also comes from like different exercise plans, all that kind of shit. It's like being able to like engage those muscles and develop the mental, emotional and like physical aptitude to succeed at a goal. There is a scientific practice to it. That's why there's degrees in it. Um, but if you think about it from free ride, which makes it even more insane, is that you guys have never had the level of support that other disciplines in skiing have had. This is all fucking self-taught. This is all practice. You don't have coaches sitting there and you don't go to like a nonprofit sport organization facility to do physical testing. Like you're fucking out there just figuring it out. It's like the more you fuck around, the more you're going to find out and the more you're going to crush it. And that's literally what free ride is. It's so different if you think about it. Yeah. Do you know what I think is absolutely amazing though? Like I look at Craig Murray, for example, like for me, I've had formal, I have had formal training in some way. Like I, I raced as a kid. So like I did have that formal training when I was a kid until up, until the age of like 14. But Craig Murray has never had a lesson in his life is what he I'm pretty sure I'm pretty don't quote me on that I might be wrong but I'm fairly sure he never did any any programs learning to ski that boy is 100% self-taught okay that is like that's like being fueled on 100% stoke coffee and probably the odd beer that's like that's like a passion project like the feel of it but like even though you've had that that training like I, I'm kind of similar. Like I ski raced when I was a kid. I fucking hated it. I fucking hated it. But I also know that was part of the tism. Woo. Um, but I like appreciated those skills when I did get into skiing more as an adult. Like when I really started, because like having that underlying factor did influence my ability to do it. And something you said earlier about summer sports was that you appreciated being a noob at a sport the last couple summers that you've taken off. And there is that like growth pattern, but it also teaches you how fucking hard it is to learn something as an adult and without formal training like but yeah it's it's pretty crazy but like yeah no I, I look back at racing and I'm like it has it has obviously provided like the cornerstone that is the way that I ski now which is super super cool but it is really cool to like look at somebody like Craig who hasn't had that and the way he approaches a mountain like I mean, everybody has their own personal relationship with skiing and it's, and it's different and we don't necessarily talk about that. And some other people don't necessarily talk about that. So like, I don't know how Craig feels about skiing. 
you know, like I'm, I'm, I don't know his personal relationship with it, but you know, like the way that he skis is just such a beautiful art. And it's it, like, it, I feel like it shows so much just watching him ski. I think it's really cool. But I, I mean, like Blake Marshall as well, like how much fun that guy, he looks like he's having the most fun when he skis. Like, it just Those are my so... favorite people to watch. It's just like, you are fucking living it 120% right now. Yeah. 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 I wish he people makes could. makes 360s look so fun. He does, yeah. Um, fuck, I just thought of another very valid point, but now it's left my brain because I started thinking about how fun skiing is. Um, you said, I wish, that, I wish that you could, and then you trailed off. I did. I duped-a-duped right out of there. Um. Oh, ba oh, I remember. Sorry, it's back. It's back. Okay. Also, I just want to take a moment to like, okay, the amount of angry bros there are in skiing that like don't think that women deserve equal opportunity or like equity to men because they're like, well, they're not like sending it as hard. They're not real athletes. Do they know how much work goes into this shit? Like, do they know that it's taken 10 years of you myelinating pathways in your brain and training like mentally, physically, emotionally to do this shit? Or like, that's like your 10 year back to back winter. Like you've been doing this your whole fucking life and like not for an instant could they ever do something that you can do that fast? Like from a scientific perspective, they literally could not. They have not created those pathways in their brain they have not reinforced them they have not created that stimulus that they can pull out of their fucking ass like you said pulling shit out of your bum <laughs> in that second like they could not like they could not and they're like oh i could do that And there's all these assholes sitting on their couches that are like whoop to do basil you're not that great of a skier but it's like literally fuck you it's like scientifically you could never but do you know what the like the great thing about like those people and them being keyboard warriors is like i mean some people some some people don't take that kind of criticism very well and that kind of criticism i have this like quite angry streak in me i think and that criticism actually just pisses me off it makes me so angry but it fires me up to push myself harder and i think that's what's like like keep keep it coming man keep it fucking coming let's go like i had a guy like go pretty hard on me on on the instagram a couple of years ago and it gave me so so much it gave me so much that season. And that's when I backflipped off the diving board on the, like at the summit at TC that season. And I like landed that and straight away, I was like, fuck you, dude, I'll fucking show you. Like that's kind of, I like use it as fuel. <laughs> I think I, I might've tore that guy a new butthole. Correct. <laughs> that's like a, that's like a category. 10, I probably like, did. There's been a few people that have <laughs> had like <laughs> online comments on the Fred roll tour pages where I'm like, Oh, no, no, no. no I'm going to show you how, how someone uses words to hurt people. Okay, that's like our whole fucking brand, Renee. Like, um. <laughs> no, it's not. Because in this case, I'm like particularly vengeful and I'm not careful about how Okay, I do that's it. because I'm he hurt like someone you fucking love. Kill. That's not just like a concept that you're married to or like a moral that you're married to. That's like, that's like, I will die on this hill and I'm going to fucking take you with me. <laughs> you're like i'm knives out bitch let's go it's like mm -mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but like yeah i just think that it's quite funny how like there's different places you can get motivation from and like i get motivation from many places but that's definitely one that i've noticed that i was like huh, didn't really expect me to like use that as fuel but hey here we are 
I love it. I fucking love it. it it's like hate us because you ain't us. It's like, mm. yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna. Yeah, that is the biggest fuck you though. It is the biggest fuck you, and it's a healthy yeah. fuck you, as long as you make sure it's for you. I feel like yeah. that was like, and it's for you. It has to be for you. It can't be for them. It's like, I don't know. That's a weird line, but it is there. Do you get what I'm saying, right? In between the two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was still like, because I look back at it and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm so proud of myself for having achieved like that thing. In I feel like that one day when like it was, it was like something unlocked in my skiing that I'd like never thought I could do. And it provided just that little like it, it provided just that little step over the edge, like a little bit of that kind of motivation, but then also like really great conditions and watching somebody like Zoe Sadowski backflip off that, like backflip off at first being like, Oh, okay. I think I can give this a go. Like, fuck it. I might as well just give her a punt and hope for the best and see what happens. And I can't believe I, only, I landed both the flips I did up at the summit that day. And I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. I didn't even think this was in my skills bag. And like, Ami, Alex Armstrong, like I still remember back on the qualifiers when we were all skiing around together, her talking about your skills bag and like what is in, because everybody's skills bag is different and what they can manage and what they can handle. And she's like, you have to tailor things to your own skills bag. And you look at something and go, nope, that's not in my skills bag. And I didn't think that was in my skills bag until that day. I was like, what the fuck? You can't. You said something so funny and like kind of kiwi, and you're like, "Yeah, I'll just give her a punt." And I feel like that's the Canadian equivalent of like, yeah, "I'm just going out for a rip, bud." Just, just out for a rip, are you, bud? I'm just oh, gonna I don't go you know give her what, a buddy. punt. Yeah, I'm just gonna give her a rip, eh? It's like, <laughs> just fucking give her. I'm just gonna fucking give her. I'm just gonna fucking send it. It's like, I'm gonna yeah. give her a punt. Oh. Give it a hone. A hone's a good one as well. Oh, give it a hone. that is a good one. Okay, yeah. but also like your story about progression and like adding that to your skill bag made me want to go skiing so fucking bad because I think like that feeling of like I didn't think I could do this and then I did it. You can feel that at any like point of progression and I think that's like the one of the best feelings of skiing is just when it unlocks, you get it. You're not thinking about it. You're feeling it like you're fucking like absorbing shit, dodging shit. You're looking so far ahead of you and your body's just like reacting. Like that is one of my favorite things about skiing. There's like no – thoughts it's just flow and it's just like that's fucking sick and also a pleasure to watch you progress that fucking hard because i remember when i watched that and being at tc and i remember watching people hit that and i was just like i could never and then to watch you backflip it i was like oh i was like <laughs> oh my god i was like that's yes just water <laughs> so i remember when we first met you told me that you were scared to do another backflip because you had a really bad crash at one point yeah I am um, yeah I had actually had a couple <laughs> when I lived in when I was 18 and I was living in Banff I um under rotated a backflip in the Norquay Park at night and hit my head really hard and skinned my face ripped my lip away from like the inside of my mouth it was pretty it was pretty gross and I was pretty messed up for a couple weeks there and I was definitely didn't help you know like didn't I had like quite a few bad crashes. There was another one I had in Japan where I like did a super nice backflip the day before and then went in to go and do it the next day and the jump was running at a different speed and I went way too massive and over rotated and like 
just messed up something in my legs real bad and couldn't ski for I don't know like a month and a half or so and to be fair like I couldn't actually properly ski until back in the New Zealand season and I did that at the beginning of March I think like on the end of February beginning of March so it took like a good four months five months to heal and so those experiences really made flipping and doing tricks and stuff quite hard for me and also like when I'd been trying I'd been trying to learn this shit by myself so like trying to learn how to do 360s and getting shin banged every single time and being unable to ski for the next day or two you know like tricks are definitely definitely something that I feel like I'm finally starting to get a hold on they're definitely not pretty but you know that's the goal is to make them prettier but um yeah I've definitely had a love-hate relationship with tricks (laughs) it's nice to get back into it yeah and I think that progression is so universal like it doesn't look the same for anyone but you could be listening to this and be like trying to progress from a blue run to a black run. And what's cool about skiing is like, that's sick, but then you'll never stop having these moments, except they will get a lot more sparse where you are learning something new and you just eat shit and then you finally get it. And it just feels so sweet, but like progression is just relatable no matter where you are on the track. And I think it is, like it helps me when I'm like, oh, you crashed a bunch and you crashed pretty bad, but like it turned out okay at some point and everybody crashes. Mm. Yeah. I mean like just how to- big is different. Yeah. <laughs> but like even just today, you know, like skiing through moguls with the crew that I was skiing with today. And it's like the amount of focus you have to put into that and like starting to get a flow going like in moguls and then and you're like oh man like that felt really good and it's it, just little things like that even I'm still finding like because we don't really have moguls that much in New Zealand so for me it's like these are really fun and a really good way to like keep practicing my skiing and also like really quick timing because you're like shit's coming up on you real fast like mogul skiers man they must have some hectic reaction times yeah, I like can't even I I watch mogul skiing and I can't even compute how they're skiing the way they're skiing because I would have gotten bucked 10 bumps ago. <laughs> you know? I'd, I'd be like that guy who accidentally like gets hella bucked on the jump and like when in trouble tuck for tucks for a double and then just like blows up. Man, there's actually a video of doing that something I think like that over the Olympics, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, isn't it that isn't the guy from oh, I don't know where he's from? There's a guy who got hella bucked and ended up tucking for a double. Yeah, it was fucking insane. It was like the full commit, and like we've all, everybody, well, maybe maybe not everyone, but there's most of us have jumped off of something and realized that the landing is not what we thought it was, and the run out is moguls, and <laughs> the ability to adapt when you're going Mach nine and you're just like fucking backseat on your tails is just like absorb, deflect, absorb. You just gotta take it. You got to take it. And like, oh, dude, that was me, honestly, like five days, not even maybe a little bit longer, but like a week ago at Whistler, skiing with like, who was I skiing with? I know that Tom Pfeiffer was there because he was ahead of me and he like straight line through these moguls. And I was like, yeah, it'll be sweet. And then I just about died. Like, it was, it was genuinely like, just hold on. And I was like, under the chair, just like hands up going, ah, shit. Like, it's like I'm completely out, out of the control. Get the fuck out of my way. Like I am like full on just hook and pray yeah. right now, baby. Hook and pray. <laughs> yeah. Or I don't even think my knees. 
Yeah, even Jess and I were talking the other day about how it's often not the size of the drop. It's the part where you have to land and then ski the run out without dying. Like the mm. drop is the easy part. The <laughs> run out is always the hardest part of the equation. It's everything that comes after, eh? Like, because that's half the problem. It's like sometimes you're hucking into some dog shit snow or like you've got a little tree you need to avoid or a rock or there's a mogul and you're like, if I like mess this up in the wrong spot, it's going to suck. 120 fucking percent. It's like, ski. okay, let's just like be real about how weird skiing is right now. It's literally sliding on frozen water on pieces of wood with plastic on the bottom. And the whole concept of it is being able to dodge different things. Oh, see, you've said that like five times at least on this podcast. Have but I? You added a line. You said I did. You well, that line. This was enlightening. Like, okay, it added I'm depth. I'm like we've said this so many times, and then you added something new, and I was like, oh, we've grown it. <laughs> okay, what episode? True, there, there, there are days when I'm standing there, like at the top of a lift, being like, "This sport is so fucking weird," and I like based my life around it. That's hectic. Yeah, and going out and skiing in minus 30, I'm literally like, I have so many layers on. I'm so uncomfortable. I was like, we're fucked. What the fuck are we doing? What is this shit? Like, this is like the most, like my, Roger had fucking frostbite on his face. I, I was did just last like, week. Renee got to see it. <laughs> yeah, we went sledding and she had her nose all taped up. It was a great look. It really was. Yeah, it's finally healed. But like, yeah. I was like, why? Yeah, minus 30. Jesus. We're, we're fucking weird. I did not ski that day. Or maybe uh, I did, yeah. but not there. Yeah. I regret I like, it. It was like three laps and then go inside for a warm-up. It's just <laughs> still ended cool. up with frostbite. There's some dissonance about cold. You're like, it won't be that bad. And then it's bad. Mm. It's like so many times. But um, okay, we've been talking for a long ass time, and I love you both. Um but we got to wrap this shit down. I feel like we could just keep talking because this is what we would do. But no, normally, we, normally eating burritos in bed. Accurate. I miss your heated blanket. Is the bomb.com. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, we got to wrap down though. So like closing remarks from you, Jess, like uh, let everybody know where to find you. If you want to do any shout outs, like your mom, your dad, Diesel, your truck, your sled, your pony. Um, you can do all those sponsors. This is kind of your, your time. Yeah, um, I think like number one for me is just a shout out to my family because there is no friggin' way that I would be where I am without the support of my family. You know, like, oh, it's just ridiculous, like how much, how much that might rock. You know, my my mom, my dad, my little brother, my sister, like everybody's friggin' great, and extended family also. Um, but yeah, I want to thank thank my sponsors. I mean, like head, I've they've been with me from the beginning super sick great team and it's pretty cool like got some projects on this season so I'm pretty excited and Mons um yeah been with Mons for a few years now and fuck I love Marino it's nice and warm and yeah no uh peeps and yeah definitely uh love having an airbag because that shit's safe and yeah I'm don't know I'm just kind of panicking and now I'm like blanking and but like there's so many people there's so many people I want to thank like my freaking physiotherapist I like called her up the other day and was like help me my knees hurt you know and she she's calling me at freaking seven in the morning in Australia 
while she's like babysitting many children and you know like just having fucking amazing people around me that are just willing to help out and just give me advice and talk me down when I'm being a crazy bitch I don't know it's just nice but we love you when you're a crazy bitch um but (laughs) okay that's where can people find you oh Instagram Instagram. like yeah yeah Instagram Jess Hotteski uh I guess I have a Facebook page too that just is kind of there Okay. I don't really know. I just, it's, just I don't there. think we have any like 50 plus users or listeners. Eh, we might. If we but, do, yeah. I'm so sorry if I've insulted you. You've made it this far into the episode. But um, yeah. Ooh. It's okay. We already yeah. know old white men oh. hate us. Just uh, follow me. Follow me, guys. Follow me. Just hot escape. Rapid fire. Quick rapid fire. What's your din? Oh, my din. Oof. Shit. Depends on the day. Usually about nine. Cats or dogs? Dogs, 100%. Fucking don't like cats. Let's go. My cats are great. Okay. I'm sorry. I agree. Dogs are the... Okay. Anyways, keep going. Rapid fire. I'll shut up. Tori Renee. No, don't answer that question. No, no. (laughs) Neither of you. Fuck you both. What were you going to say? I said Uh, said no. I'm not answering that. (laughs) What did you ask though? Did I miss something? Did you say who's your favorite? Yeah, I did. Oh, you fucking bitch. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. She said Tori or Renee, and I was like, I'm not answering. Um, There's positive and negatives on both sides there. Yeah. (laughs) I love you both. Beer or wine? Oh, why'd you make me choose but beer? But both of them suck. (laughs) Oh, it's a sour. No, sour is beer. I'll go beer. Yeah. She's she's a cider girl. I knew that. I still asked the question. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm running out of rapid fire questions. Nope, I got one. Would you rather tomahawk off a free ride feature or knuckle in the park? How sore am I afterwards? Well, that's sore. what you have to think about. That's why you have to think about. Like, which one has higher consequence? Fuck. Is the snow soft on the free ride feature? Uh, it's like New Zealand soft, like probably a little chalky. There might be like some windblown buff or like a heavier powder, but it's definitely not Canada powder. I'll probably take knuckle. I'll probably oh, take the I knuckle. I would not. I would oh, not. To, be, oh, to be honest with you though, <laughs> I jumped two at Cardi's this year. I didn't even fucking make the knuckle. I hit so hard on the flat that I thought that I'd broken my ankles. And I kept, I skied down to the third jump and just curled over in a ball and was like, <gasps> oh, <laughs> And then was like, oh, my ankles are okay. And then I proceeded to do exactly the same thing again. (laughs) On a different jump. What's the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again? And expecting a different outcome. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Checks out. Checks out. Um, Okay. I have one more. And I think we should ask this on every episode. How big are your skis? What's your big energy? So I've, I've got some actually like not very big skis. I regularly ski a 177. 111 underfoot why because they're more maneuverable but yes I I have just realizing this yeah but I have competed on last season I did two competitions on a 184 and I do like those as well so currently I have a 177 and a 111 core and then I'm also about to get a 184 and a 117 so I'm gonna get my big sticks which I'm really excited about that's how big stick energy. 